so I fell down in the subway and I skinned my knee and there's blood everywhere and they brought out the whole like nine yards, you know, the mop and the bucket full of water that was dirty and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll talk about that next week. So welcome okay. to episode 15 of Fear Frequency, everybody. My name is Jimmy Champagne. I'll be your host as always. And with me today is my co-host, George Frizzard. How's it going? Good. What's up, dude? Good. That was a good intro. We didn't mortally fuck it up like we did last week. Yeah, normally it's <laughs> us talking over each other, not knowing what to do, so that's okay. a slight improvement. So, we might have some new listeners this week because of my wily tricks that I was up to. So, I edited a video for famous YouTuber Austin Evans, because that's my job, and at, at Squarespace sponsored it. And as everyone knows, probably, we use Squarespace as our like website hoster, so then my buddy Ken at work was like, hey, you should screen cap yourself like editing something on your website and use it as B-roll at the end when we do the Squarespace ad. I was like, you know what, Ken, it's a great idea. So if all goes well, people will connect the dots that fearfrequency.co is a real website and not something that we just like randomly came up with <laughs> for a 10-second spot <laughs> on Squarespace. And then they'll come here to make fun of us. So if you're right. a new listener from Austin Evans' YouTube channel, welcome. This is a lot different than what you're used to, I promise. (laughs) Best case scenario, someone just tries to buy the domain from me. But bottom line, I'm proud of myself for that trick that I didn't come up with, and I think it's going to pay off big time for us. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any way that that doesn't net us like one million new listeners. Yeah, and then uh, Austin just got engaged, so congrats to him. I know he's not a listener, but maybe he'll like feel the energy of us talking about <laughs> him being engaged now uh, through the podcast. Waves. Put those good engagement vibes out there. Yeah, so then I was also looking at the numbers for our episodes, and because we took a long break, remember? When we mm-hmm. came back, we did not do that bad. We got quite a few listeners, and then uh, last week we did pretty well too. So it's I'm glad to see that a lot of the same people are coming back and listening and that there's actual demand for our podcast too. But I think that's enough housekeeping for this week. Uh, we gotta we gotta sound the alarms again right away. We got some more <laughs> Halloween casting news, guys. I swear to God, if we can keep this going every week, I will be so happy. Uh, but anyways, George did the news doc this week, so uh, I'll let you present this one. All right, so there's a new Halloween casting uh, call that went out, and it's revealing some some uh, new location scouting for a hospital shoot. In the uh, Project Castings listing, they said, The latest call for the film is seeking actors to play patients for a hospital scene being shot this Wednesday. These are folks at a regular hospital. The casting call notes, Adults late 20s through the 70s, all races, male or female, would like a couple senior options for some of the patients. So, it looks like they are looking to have people in a hospital to do at least one scene in the new halloween movie i love this so much dude oh my god like one of my favorite things about halloween 2 that we're gonna lose canonically is that it takes place partially in a hospital hospitals are just really cool and creepy and something that uh pulled from that last year was the void it wasn't a hospital i think it was a school but it still had that cool creepy like small town vibe to it like you know i just i love that setting especially you know like you know, like when you were a kid, did you ever go to your elementary school on like the weekend and then try and get inside when it was all dark and stuff? Yeah, it makes it's like extra creepy when you know that there's like supposed to be people there and there aren't any. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really cool thing to have in a horror movie, especially one that's going to have kind of a campier vibe like this one that I would think. Yeah. And like you said, in Halloween 2, the hospital's really the main set piece and probably, in my opinion, the best part of the movie. So it's cool to see... You don't like see... when that guy gets hit into the minivan that like, yeah. <laughs> that blows up in the fire? <laughs> I mean, that's like legitimately the best part, but the hospital is the <laughs> best, is the best ambiance for the rest of the movie. So hopefully they try to merge a little bit of... Uh, you know, Halloween 2 that way into this movie. I'm sure there's going to be a couple, you know, homages or throwbacks to that movie, especially in this. Like, there's no way they're going to miss out on it. Yeah. If Michael doesn't kill someone in a super hot tub, then I'm going to be pissed. Oh, man. Dude, you remember that part in the movie? 
uh, Halloween 2, the classic, when uh, all the people in the Michael Myers masks surround the uh, Donald Pleasance and the <laughs> sheriff. And it's like, so you heard in a matter of hours that there's a dude walking around in this like William Shatner mask in a boiler suit murdering people. And then you were like, hey, let's go find the cops who are trying to kill this guy and surround them. Yeah, that is the weirdest part of Halloween 2 is it doesn't work timeline wise because <laughs> events it's almost like the town is like a year later and michael myers is the same night it's like <laughs> it's just bizarre yeah, how those two <laughs> timelines don't line up correct <laughs> but so it's a great movie and it's yeah like it's really fun in its own right uh and you know what thinking about it there's no way it could have really worked, honestly, in that time period. But I think the way that it seems like they're going to be tackling this new one legitimately works, and that just increases my excitement for it. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, besides there not really being any big people cast in the movie yet, you know, the acting is really the biggest question mark still at this point. We don't really know yeah. how that's going to be. None of the actors really proven themselves, but... It seems like the location that they're shooting at and all the ideas that have been thrown out there are all good. So I'm happy. I was really happy to see this casting news to see that we got some new location that's actually really cool and interesting. Yeah. So that's our Halloween update for this week. And next up on this list, Stephen Lang, he has reconfirmed that there are Don't Breathe sequel plans. Uh, I'll let you read this one since you so kindly typed it out. Yeah, so Alvarez and producer Sam Raimi uh, explained in November 2016 that the focus of the sequel will be the blind man played by Stephen Lang. The challenge, ob- uh, the challenge obviously, is we just don't want to do the same movie over again and just have a two in it. And Alvarez noted, uh, Raimi also added that this is that it's only the greatest idea for a sequel I've ever heard, and I'm not kidding. So Raimi <laughs> is super on board for this. And Stephen Lang came out and said that there are definitely plans for a sequel for this movie. So That's cool. I really like him a lot, honestly. He's, like, a really cool guy. Uh, I worked on the show Salem, which he was, like, a huge character in. And he exits the show, I think, in the first season or maybe early in the second season. And, like, all the way up until the end of that show, people were calling for his return. And then I got to interview him for Don't Breathe at the Junket. And he was, like, the nicest guy. He was so cool. So he was really great in that movie too. He yeah, was the movie's the main... really scary. Yeah, Don't Breathe was a kind of a sleeper hit. I didn't really expect it to be that great. Really blow me away, mm-hmm. but it it was actually very good. I was surprised by how well everything turned out. Yeah, Sony was surprised too because <laughs> I feel like when Sony makes a good movie, they surprise themselves. They're like, oh, yeah. shit, we did it, guys. <laughs> like, like, Everyone oh starts God. praising them. They're like, yeah. they all look around. They're like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we fucking knew. We knew. Right, like, obviously, this is our intention to make a good movie. Yeah, I love Jane Levy, though. She's great. Uh, I, I don't know. So, spoilers for Don't Breathe, which is almost two years old at this point. Uh, at the end, she ends up, like, running away with her little sister, taking the money that they steal from the blind man. Do you think they're going to continue that story? Or do you think this is going to be, like, an all-new thing? Like, him just giving up? on that threat i don't know because because he's a bad dude yeah i could see it really going one of two ways so they could either take the revenge plot so he goes to hunt her down in california with her sister and try to tries to get his money back and you know come after them for like what he's owed which you know is a good you know completely serviceable plot i'm sure they could do some interesting stuff with it but i don't know I don't really know how he can operate in anywhere but his house. Like, his house right. was set up to be, like, he had the advantage even though he was blind because he knew his house so well. And I don't yeah. know how you can replicate that in anywhere but that environment. Maybe they, so, as much as I love Jane Levy, dude, like, we've talked about this before, the Evil Dead remake is one of my favorite horror movies. I like it more than a lot of the actual trilogy. But... I don't like I don't know if I want to see that plot thread continue because I feel like that's where they'll fuck up the most because I just like I think it's a cool ending but I don't think it's a like cool way to make a sequel. I think honestly if he starts getting some heat from uh 
you know, the girl he kidnapped that he was keeping in the basement? Like, what are her parents doing? Because that's the girl who killed his daughter. And she right. dies in the movie. So it's like, people are still looking for her, presumably. And even though her body was never found in the basement because he was, like, smart enough to hide it in, like, some acid. Like, maybe people start connecting the dots or something like that. And it's going to be him, like, going after her parents or something. Because it's not like, you're not really supposed to, at, at first you do have sympathy for him. And then that reveal happens. And you're like, oh, this is a bad dude. So they, they don't have to, like, play with the idea of having empathy or sympathy for this character anymore. Because he is, like, balls to the wall bad. Like, they have that right. ability now. Yeah, I guess I could see they could bring that up because it would be, you know, there's like media attention on him now because he was on the news for being robbed. And right. now the parents of the girl start being like, oh, that's the guy that my our daughter killed his daughter in a car accident. So maybe there'll be something there. But I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know what I would do for a sequel for this movie. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to take the, the story That's where from I would there. take it, honestly. I think that's a cool way to take it. And it keeps it in Detroit. You know, like, even though they filmed all of the interior stuff in, like, Bulgaria or something, the exterior shots being in Detroit, like, I don't think people realize that that's what a vast majority of Detroit looks like. Like, it is just big open streets with like one or two houses on them because the rest of them got burned down or demolished like it's a very scary place to be like you could be in the wrong place at the wrong time very easily in detroit definitely yeah i think to take it out cool yeah to take it out of that environment i think would definitely be not a good idea so i think there's like things where it's like i want it to be in detroit and i want it to still focus around uh, Stephen Lang's character, but I don't know how I would like build a story around that after right. the events of the first movie. Exactly. I hope that if there's a news anchor in the sequel, it's one of those two news anchors, like that lady who's like, today in Detroit, we're out here because... Do you know what I'm talking about? The lady that's always on the news there? No, it's gotta be the, uh, the, the one that guy, guy that Channel 7 sends out. Yeah. <laughs> does like the really really bad reports where he's like oh what's what's going on here so you're telling me that you kept a woman here in your basement can you tell me more about that sir 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 i'm over here i'm over this man is blind <laughs> this is so, like the most localized joke we could possibly do but okay i'll put i'll put uh, a link i'll try to remember to put a link to each of these anchors into like in a the article i guess on our website but they're hilarious they come up they do that stories once a week and both of them are just on different ends of the spectrum of funny you know like the yeah. one lady is just super into it and she talks like a mockery of a news anchor and then the other <laughs> guy is just like what are you doing how did you land this job <laughs> it'd be better if we knew their names but whatever yeah i can't think of them but they're both really bad in my opinion <laughs> All right, so next up, we've got... Oh, this is really cool. That uh, Living Dead Dolls is doing a nun doll. And you know what? This is one that I actually want. Like, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the Chucky one before. And, oh, I really wanted the Annabelle one. But, damn, this one's cool. It's really creepy. It's some nightmare fuel, for sure. God, this so, whole line of toys is crazy. Yeah, so Living Dead Dolls are basically just like a porcelain baby doll but they've themed them for different horror movies and so the newest one is themed after the nun and it looks like uh valak from the conjuring 2 or mm. also the nun but uh it's, she's got like the yellow eyes and the you know the black cowl and everything it looks really creepy this would look so good on like a shelf or something this would look good on my set <laughs> <laughs> i really want this this is awesome like the, the it's mezco toys and the cloth looks really nice. The hands are gloved, too, which is kind of cool. Like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> the eyes are really cool. They're, like, bright gold. That's yeah, awesome. They're, they're really creepy. This thing is definitely super creepy. Def- they have, they have a Freddy one, too. I know. Yeah, I think this is going to probably be pretty popular after, after the nun comes out. Dude, if they made a Michael Myers one... I would buy it in two seconds. Yeah, no like, question. So that fast. That would be so cool. <laughs> oh, my God. This is awesome. I don't know. These things are pretty expensive, though. Uh, they're kind of... They also sell out pretty quick, but 
if you're in Los Angeles, there's a store in Santa Monica, like right on the promenade called Puzzle Zoo. And they charge more than MSRP for everything, like Legos and stuff. But because of that, people are hesitant to buy things there. And they always have these. And they only charge like a little bit of markup. So if it's something that's hard to find like this, that's the place I would suggest going. Yeah, so uh, anybody who's interested in looking at these pictures or picking one up, uh, I think there's a link on uh, Bloody Disgusting. The article's just titled, Living Dead Doll Presents the Nun. Cool. All right, so here's some big news. We got some Stephen King alerts going on here. Uh, Mike Flanagan has signed on to direct the Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep. Uh, Have you read this book? I haven't. I've been meaning to go back to Stephen King, but I took a slight detour. I did read The Shining, the novel, but I didn't get around to uh, Dr. Sleep yet. I really like Dr. Sleep. I'm pretty stoked for this. I'll let you talk about like the actual story of it, though. Yeah, so basically Dr. Sleep takes place years after the events uh, at the Overlook Hotel and focuses on the now middle-aged Danny who's still traumatized. He's followed in his father's footsteps and has problems with anger management and alcoholism. He soon gives up drinking and settles in a small town in New Hampshire, where there his psychic abilities start to resurface and he develops a psychic link with a 12-year-old girl named Abra Stone, who she must save after he discovers her life is being threatened by the tribe of paranormals led by a man named Rose, or Ross, the hat. Cool. So, yeah, Mike Flanagan, if you don't know, he's directed Oculus, Hush, and Gerald's Game, which is like a trifecta of movies that I think are overrated, which I just kind of realized. I mean, like, I really like Hush. I think Hush is, like, good. It's very solid. Oculus, I think, is bad and overrated. And Gerald's Game, the last, the end of that movie, we both didn't like it. We talked about this before. But I, a lot of people yeah. do like him. Like, he, he's really popular with people. He just never really, I've never latched onto him, really. But it's cool that we're getting more Stephen King movies. I like Hush a lot. And I don't think you can really blame the ending of Gerald's Game on him. Because yeah. it's, it's the same way as it is in the book. It's just an accurate, you know. I don't I don't know what it is. But it's like, it's something about his directing. It. It doesn't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to say this right, but it just doesn't feel, it feels kind of like empty to me. Like it's hollow, but like, it just feels like a collection of good scenes, but they don't really feel like they flow very well to me always. Like that mm. was especially true in Oculus. Like I felt like that movie was just like, it had a really good script, but it, it just didn't come to life before my eyes in the way that I wanted it to. Mm. And then Hush was really cool. Like obviously the, um. The idea of a deaf girl fighting off a guy who's trying to kill her was awesome. I just like, there's just like a lot of weird shit in that movie that bothered me, but I liked it a lot. And then Gerald's Game, I obviously like that's a tough like main character role to play, but overall, I think that movie could have been better than it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the don't ending, dude. Like... When she goes into the courtroom, like, come <laughs> well, on. I mean that's that's how it ends in the book too. So like uh, I said, just you can't really blame it. him for that ending. But I, I mean, so, oh god, I would have <laughs> changed it. That's it's so it's so cringy. People are like saying, oh, one person said it was powerful, and I was like, uh, honestly, in my opinion, it's like the to- complete opposite of that. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it powerful. It's like you're Pop- gonna go and scream at this guy like that he <laughs> he didn't get to you, but it's like that guy definitely doesn't understand and he probably <laughs> will not think about it past that moment. <laughs> like that guy's got other shit to worry about at that point in his life. Yes. Like yeah. you are a bl- like barely even a blip on his radar anymore. And I feel like she just puts herself back on it and then walks out. She's like, boy, I'm fucked if this guy ever gets out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to Dr. Sleep, the story <laughs> at hand. Uh, I think that the plot actually sounds pretty cool. The idea of yeah, Danny basically really taking good. yeah, the idea of Danny basically taking over the role of uh, I forget what the chef's name is from The Shining, uh, Halloran. Yeah, that yeah, seems right. I think, but it's cool to see him kind of fill the same role that he did for Danny in The Shining, where he's kind of the older person who's used these abilities for a while connects with someone younger and can maybe help save her and give her some support and i i thought that the like paranormal psychic abilities you know they're obviously way more fleshed out in the book the book is way more paranormal and strange than the movie Mm. in some aspects but uh i always thought that was really cool and kind of strange that it was omitted from 
at least the Kubrick uh, adaptation. Not that there's anything wrong with that movie, but it just it's a really different take on it. So it'd be cool to see if he goes really paranormal with it or not. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think he's going to stay pretty close to the book. Right. <laughs> yeah, if Gerald's, Gerald's game, game is any indication, then. Which is fine, because it's a great book. Book had an awesome cover. Yeah. With the smoke and that sweet chick on the front. That was awesome. <laughs> I really like that book. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll watch this, obviously. Uh, it seems like it's going to be pretty good. I mean, it sounds like they're trying to get the right, you know, write everything for it. When they asked Mike Flanagan what other uh, King adaptations would he want to do after he did Gerald's Game, he said Dr. Sleep, and then the studio that had it was like, you want it? Because that'd be cool. If you want it, you can have it. That's that's a really cool thing to have happen to you, you know, because then it's like, you can always pull that card and be like, look, you gave this to me. You better let me call the shots. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it sounds like they want it to be good, and he's obviously really into the source material, so hopefully he can really pull something cool out of this adaptation. Yeah, did he... Did he direct something after Between Hush and Gerald's Game? I want to say there was Mm. one more movie that I actually really liked. I'm not sure. Uh, The only... I'm looking it up. uh, In the article I read, the only directing credits I gave him were... Oculus, Hush, and Gerald's Game. Oh, he directed uh, a Ouija Origin of Evil, which I really like that movie. Oh, that, yeah, that, that movie. is that movie's awesome. Yeah, that movie was pretty good. Yeah, and like people talk down on that movie a lot, but it's like a lot of the problems with that movie are plot related, and the only reason they're in the movie is because the first movie lays out the plot of this the prequel sequel like to a really bizarre like amount of detail. Like when they go and they see the old lady and she tells them what happened in the past, it is, like, very specific, exactly what happened. And then so she basically decides what the end of Origin of Evil is going to be. So he kind of, like, was trapped there. There's no way he could have changed any of it. Like, it was really detailed. That movie's awesome. Like, Lulu Wilson, again, I really... I think she's got a good career coming up in the horror game. And then also his new movie, uh, Before I Wake, just came out on Netflix, which is weird because that's been out in the uk forever but who made it oh god someone like produced that movie i was like i don't want to it wasn't screen gems it was some production company that was kind of big that went out relativity relativity made this movie before i wake let him direct it right Mm -hmm. and they went bankrupt so it got trapped like in in like europe like it could never come out here and then netflix picked it up and released it finally and uh, it, it has pretty bad reviews, but some people seem to like it. So maybe that one's worth checking out. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. It seems like he edits all of his movies, too. But yeah, maybe I'm going to get... I just watched Hush again recently, and I liked it a lot more the second time. But maybe I need to give uh, Oculus another chance. I just I don't think I can get past the ending. <laughs> Charles, I haven't, I haven't seen so Oculus, stupid. so... Maybe I I'll love Karen. I love Karen or Karen Gillan. Is that yeah. her name? She's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only seen her on uh, the later seasons of Doctor Who. I didn't see her in like Jumanji or anything, but she's like the best part of Jumanji, and she's really cool in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, she is good in Guardians. I forgot. Everyone she's, always uh... forgets she's in that. <laughs> yeah, it's she's weird so when different. you know they're so covered in like makeup and CG. It's like you, you know, it's hard when you don't like you can't physically recognize the actor in a role. Yeah. So. Oh shit, dude! We got a Stranger Things update. I'll let you talk about this one too. We got yes. a we do we hit our big three. We got a Halloween <laughs> update, a Stranger Things update, and a Stephen King update. That's yeah. like our bread and butter right there. <laughs> it's a big week. <laughs> so uh, there's supposed to be some new evil forces coming up in Stranger Things season three. So uh, Levy came out and said that Will won't be the main target of the villain this time. So they're gonna try to give Will That's a break. Good. Because he's, <laughs> quote, we're not going to put Will through hell for a third season in a row. He'll be dealing with stuff, but he won't be at rock bottom the way we forced the amazing Noah Sh- Schnapp to play. We're going to be dealing with forces of evil that are new. So it sounds like the, uh, what's the name? Not the Demogorgon, but like the big monster in season two. The big shadow monster. Yeah, the shadow monster. That's so what it's called, like right? Yeah, the Shadow Monster is still 
lurking around. It's still like kicking in the upside down, but it's watching them. It's watching them, but there's also a new thing that's going to come in in season three that is going to be the main villain instead of the shadow monster again. That's good because remember when season two, when we talked about that, we both said we don't want them to keep fucking with uh, Will. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's good. And then especially, uh, I mean, season two, that kid was put through hell, man. Yeah, there was like a cool that exorcism part towards yeah. the end. Nobody talks about that. Yeah, that, was that part awesome, was amazing. Dude. That was one of the highlights of that season. Fuck yeah, that was cool. And it was like, man, honestly, that's probably my favorite exorcism scene ever. Like, I just loved it. It was done so well. And the, the way that they didn't focus only on that, like, they had another thing to cut to, so you yeah. could take breaks from it, which right. is great. You, you could keep, you could build it, and then cut to something else, and then oh, come yeah. back and build it, and then cut. It was, that was really well done. And, I mean, the Noah Schnapp, Schnapp, whatever, Schnapp, Schnapp is a great actor. Everyone's great child drink. actor. Really has knocked it out of the park with Will, but... I mean, it is good that you give the kid a break because he can't yeah. be, like, <laughs> the one you kick around every single season. Case closed. All right, next up, we got Resident Evil 2 Remake. So, I saw this, uh, I think it was on Rely on Horror. My boy CJ wrote it up. Uh, but So, there were some new details. So, basically, this Resident Evil 2 Remake got announced. I think it was after Resident Evil 7 had been announced, but then it was when the remake remaster did really well. And they said, uh, George found this meme where they said, we will try to deliver news and messages about this project to you, the fans, directly. That didn't happen because we've heard nothing about it. But there were some (laughs) leaks. And uh, off the top of my head, it's going to have two campaigns. It's going to be built in the engine that runs uh, Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2, I want to say, which would be like MT Framework or something. And then it's going to have over-the-shoulder gameplay, which is exactly what me and you said we wanted, I think, last week. Yeah. I would have... I, I think we both said that we wouldn't have played this game if it had the old-ass tank controls. Yeah, I'm, I'm not playing that shit. Like, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. And, like, I saw a lot of Resident Evil fans are obviously pissed about that. But it's mm-hmm. like... You, you want the game to sell, and so they'll do more remakes. It better not have fucking tank controls, because... Like, I don't care how many of these fans there are that, like, say that there's never going to be enough fans of the original game to make up enough sales to warrant more of these remakes, you know? Like, it's a remake, not a remaster. That's the difference. Yeah. Which is good. And, yeah, and we both agree that's a better way of doing it. It opens up to more people, and it's just, it's like, anytime you go back to a game from older generations... It's it's tough. Like it's weird to think that how much controls have become yeah. like, evolved over time. Because you go back and you play like a PS One game, and you're just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like all these controls are so asinine. Yeah. And it's like obvious. Obviously, over time, it's all improved. And to not update it with the times is dumb. You have to. It's, just, it's stupid. Know. Yeah. And I'm really excited to play this because I know this is a lot of people's favorite Resident Evil game. And it's the introduction of Leon S. Kennedy. It sounds like the story of this one's cool, right in the you know in the real meat of Raccoon City, right mm-hmm. when the outbreak is occurring. So everything about it sounds really cool to me, and I like uh, Leon as a main character a lot. So yeah, it I'm, sounds like it hits the vibes of uh, the Evil Within Two that we like the most, like the small yeah. town. Yeah, I was just about to aspect. say. Yeah, I bet it's gonna take a lot of beats from that, at least uh, like thematically. It'll probably look pretty similar to that, and mm-hmm. they'll probably try to rebuild Raccoon City in a similar fashion of the way they did, uh, what was the town called? Like Sanctuary or something? Yeah, just Sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm sure they're going to probably take a few beats from that, but I'm I'm excited for this. I, I didn't know if I was going to get it, and now that I know hopefully, if these leaks are true, what the controls are going to be like, I'm, I'm excited for this for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm, I mean, like, I'm stoked. I've always wanted to play this. I've tried playing it on, like, an N64 emulator, and it's not good. I've never given the PS1 version a shot, but, like, now I really want to play this. I really want to play this. I'm really excited. I hope it comes out this year. You think it's going to come out on Switch? So, MT Framework is the engine they use for, like, everything. They even use it for uh, Monster Hunter. 
and it's the engine that they made for Dead Rising 1. They've, they yeah. still use that engine, mm-hmm. and like that engine runs on 3DS. It obviously runs on Switch, so if they're using the like kind of same engine that they used for Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2, after seeing how well those ports run on the Switch, hell yeah, dude. I feel like they're, they're all in on the Switch. Yeah, I was just about to ask with, uh, you know, since they just put those uh, Revelations on there, you'd think that they would probably also want to put Evil with, or uh, Resident Evil 2 right up on there, like probably same day as the console releases on Switch. Yeah, and you know what? That pack was a great deal. I think it was $40 for both if you got it on cartridge. That was a really cool little pack. And, and Raid Mode, dude, Raid Mode in Re- Resident Evil Revelations 2 is like so fucking awesome for switch it's just like you run missions they have old mercenaries maps they bring in like old maps from old games you have like a full rpg system built in where you're leveling up not only your character and getting skills but guns and stuff too it's just it's so awesome to have on a handheld and i know we we talk shit about outlast coming to a handheld but this is like the kind of game that i would want to play in a handheld like headphones on it's gonna look good if it if like resident Evil revelations 2 is like the uh, the point where we're judging from you know like i feel like this would be a good handheld game yeah uh i mean i don't really know how well the game breaks itself up but i'm sure that you know it's not probably going to be super optimized in the in the way that you know some games for switch are where like odyssey you know you can jump in and do like a couple moons and it's not a big deal you can hop in hop out but, I mean, I'm sure that Resident Evil has, you know, a plethora of save points and stuff, and if it looks good like Revelations did and plays well, then I'm sure people won't have an issue taking that on the go. They'll probably prefer it. Yeah, dude. Some of my favorite memories of Resident Evil are uh, taking the GameCube in the car on the way down to Florida, so that's portable. And then also when Revelations 1 came out, it was like, honestly, I think it was the first big 3DS game after Mario, Remember when there was that drought, which, like, never lasted, but it was, like, a big drought. Revelations came out. Didn't, uh, Ocarina of Time Remake come out in between those? That was a launch title. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, that, no, that was the big game, and then it was Mario. Or, no, it was Ocarina, Star Fox, like, in the summer, Mario in the fall, and then Resident Evil in, like, February, and then there was a huge drought. But, like, I played that in my bunk bed in college like freshman year underneath the sheets man it was scary as <laughs> fucking shit that was so scary yeah the first was revelations cool was a great game yeah so i'm really excited about this i don't yeah i don't think fans have anything to worry about here yeah and, and i think uh, people are really going to want to go back to a horror centered uh, resident evil after playing seven you know oh, going to want to kind of go back to that the old school roots of the series and nostalgia's big right now and it seems like everything's falling into place for this remake so i'm super excited for it i really hope for whatever resident evil 8 is they stick with the first person like i agree god that was so cool that was just so good yeah i resident think evil 7 is an awesome game yeah i think as long as they do like a whole game paced as well as the first 75 percent of resident evil 7 for resident evil 8 Mm-hmm. that game is going to be an easy 10 out of 10 yeah definitely so you got to assume that that's on the horizon hopefully. yeah but uh yeah that Fingers wraps crossed. up our segment one baby uh so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back this week we're talking about monster hunter game of the year of 2018 <laughs> as george calls it we're talking about monster hunter world this week instead of a movie uh because we we hit it real hard this weekend and we're pretty excited so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back Okay, we back from our quick break here. Um, we're going to be talking about Monster Hunter this week. Both of us picked this up. I don't I don't want to call us Monster Hunter veterans, but we both definitely played the series before. Yeah, I had uh, picked it up on PSP when I was like pretty young and played it through. I hadn't beaten it or anything, but I played through it on uh, PSP. I just like basically spent a bunch of hours grinding out materials to make like better weapons and then just got trashed by all the monsters. So... <laughs> 
That one was uh, Freedom, right? Like, Freedom? Yeah, I think it was Freedom, yeah. Because they had Freedom, Freedom 2, and then Freedom Unite on PSP, and then it switched over to 3DS. Yeah. And I had also purchased Monster Hunter 4 for the 3DS, and I put, like, a couple hours into it, but didn't get too deep. So this is the first Monster Hunter where I've actually, like, grasped all the systems and have been playing it, like, a lot. Yeah, and it's really good. Like, I played a ton of 4 on my 3DS, and even though this game is very similar to 4 in a lot of its mechanics and just general gameplay, but, like, overall, it's it's really fucking good. Like, we hit it we hit it really hard this weekend. We put a lot of hours into it. We've killed a lot of the main monsters of it, and uh, I feel like I'm just now getting to the point where I'm just, like, figuring out what upgrades are good, how to get the best trees unlocked for weapons. There's just, like... There's so much to do in it, and it can be challenging, though. It's like it's really hard. It feels like it's harder than the other ones did to me. Yeah, I think one of the biggest strengths of this game is that there's... So there's 16 different weapon types, and basically two trees for each weapon. And each one of those weapon trees has either... You can upgrade the weapon raw to just make it the base weapon more and more powerful... Or if you kill certain types of monsters, you can put different kind of buffs on it, like poison or electric or fire or water damage. And it's really interesting to play around with all the different weapon types. Like, so far I've been playing a lot with the dual swords, uh, with the great sword and the hammer, or basically like three things I've been switching between a lot. And they really play very differently for... And, you know, they're more useful. You know, sometimes you're fighting an enemy type and you're like, well, it'd probably be better if I had these, like quick like weapons instead of the big heavy ones and there's also i think that the like learning curve for the combat is pretty steep and that's kind of a the biggest issue Mm -hmm. but i think because there's so many weapon types you can kind of play around with all of them and find one that fits your playstyle pretty easily yeah and then in four my biggest problem was it felt like i mean past the first intro areas if you, it kind of felt like after a while it was forcing you to pick one weapon and stick with it because the materials to upgrade the weapons were kind of hard to come by. And I remember that being a problem in Freedom and Freedom Unite and stuff. But in this one, it, it gives you more than enough materials most of the time to at least get your items to a usable point, you know? So you can try basically everything and have a ton of fun with it. And, like, I started out with the Sword and Shield, and I thought that was okay. It played, like... Uh, Played like a much better version of the new Assassin's Creed, but then I switched to the uh, Charge Blade, and that thing is sick. It's like the one, it's like a sword and shield, but if you hold R2, it switches and you like snap the shield onto the sword, and it turns into a giant axe. So you use the like sword to charge up your uh, element bar, and then when you turn it into an axe, you like hold circle, and you do like a spinning move that uh, lets go of all the electricity you build up. So it like stuns them. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and then I started playing around last night with the um, the bow gun, and it plays like a third person shooter that way. And that thing is <laughs> sick, dude. I fucking love that thing. Like I, I'm switching between that and the axe mostly. The bow yeah, gun. it's uh, sw- switching between all these weapons and fighting the monsters is a, a total blast. The the essential gameplay loop of fight this monster to get the materials to upgrade. You know, either make a new armor set or make a weapon type that you want. You know, upgrade a new weapon. You have to get, oh, I need another poison sack. I gotta go kill the pukey pukey again. That gameplay loop is so rewarding. I want to just keep going back and fighting monsters over and over and over again and trying out all these different weapon types and just kind of seeing all the ways that the game plays. Like, I'm about 20-ish hours in, so if, if the reviews that I've read are any indication of how long the game is, I think it's supposed to be about, like, 60 hours. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So... I mean, I'm, like, kind of sad to hear that it's only that long, because I want to, like, try a bunch of shit. I want to see a bunch of new monsters, you know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. Definitely. And uh, they're really supporting it with events and DLC and stuff, which is cool. So it's, like, I mean, people go hard in this game, but I'm, I'm, like, really into it. I'm more into it than I've ever been in a Monster Hunter game, and I put some serious hours into not only, like, the PSP one, but the 3DS one, too. Yeah. I... The monster design itself, the dragons and the pukey pukies and all the different monsters look so cool. They, You can tell they put a lot of time into making the design interesting for all the main monsters. And 
they're they fight extremely differently monster to monster yeah oh definitely like you like you said it actually makes it worth like using different weapons and then you know what my favorite thing we've done so far is that we've like we've baited dinosaurs like the giant ones into other arenas where the other ones live and they'll start fighting each other and they have original animations for their fights like they fight differently and that's really cool those are awesome to see two of the monsters fight each other i was fighting uh one of the i forget like the t-rex monster i forget what it's called it's like an allograph yeah really and uh one of the like the dragon guys the like ryoliths or something rathian rathian yeah those guys are sick rathian came in picked him up flew into the air and just dropped him on the ground and did like (laughs) 1400 damage to him i was like oh my god (laughs) this is insane yeah so i was playing so the one thing i want is called like a deer ludians or ludimens or something mm-hmm. and it's like uh if you get it's the rathian upgrade for the charge blade and it's like op as hell you use it for like the first 30 hours of the game basically and you don't mm-hmm. even have to upgrade it so i was trying to farm for that and uh i was hunting the rathian in just like the game but i was getting kind of like owned by it single player because you're supposed to fight it later in the game so i did this thing that they have where you can, uh, in the game, if, you're, if something's too tough for you, you can fire an SOS and it'll put a job on the job board for people to join you. I was like joining other people's SOSs and it put me in this arena with one with like three other guys. So we're all like, get, we're all beating the shit out of this thing, but it is, it's like strong because the game scales for multiplayer and it's in the arena and I pulled a lever and it dropped a giant rock in the middle of the arena. So I'm trying to bait the dragon into like the middle of the arena and uh it's not working because it keeps going for the other guys and i see this other lever with this giant spike in the wall so i like hit the dragon with my gun i like shot it and then started running over to me and i pulled the lever and the spike shot all the way across the arena and killed it in one hit oh my god (laughs) it just like impaled it and it was like we were having a tough time we had you you get three uh faints like you can die three times total like your whole squad before uh it kicks you out and we were on our last one, and he had, like, no tail. He was limping. He's, like, limping over to me. And I'm just, like, dink. And it's, like, like flies right through. <laughs> Does this awesome, like, it cut the camera to a different angle, and I recorded it. So I'm going to – I'll post that on my Twitter later. But, man, that was awesome. And then I got that weapon, and I was, like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just made the um, – I was farming the, the T-Rex guy a little bit. Uh, and I have almost his full set of armor. I just need that armor is a, so cool. I just need a couple more like pieces to get the chest piece. But I have everything but the chest piece made. And uh, I made the fire version of the great hammer, and I just started using that. And that thing is insane. <laughs> I'll tell you. That's awesome. The main <laughs> ability of the hammer is you can do like a like a running charge attack with it. So it's like you hold the like head of the hammer behind you. And the longer you hold R2 when you walk up to the enemy, the more it, like, charges you up. Yeah, And then you can either do, like, a... If you hit circle, it's, like, an overhead smash attack. Or if you hit triangle, you just spin in a circle as fast as you can. And every... (laughs) You just, like, beat the shit out of him. Because every hit is, like, 90 or 100 damage. And then at the (laughs) end, they always just fly into the nearest wall and knock... And they get knocked out. Like, they fall over. And you just keep whoop, just smashing on them. I mean, the the heavier weapons are really cool to use because they they actually do feel like significantly more powerful than the weaker ones. Like they like not weaker, but like the faster ones. Like any of the heavier weapons, like you feel all the hits you make. Like you feel the contact when you're hitting the, these monsters. Yeah, definitely. And it's like the lock on system. I think needs some work. Like it's not like Dark Souls, where if you lock onto something, it'll automatically keep the camera on that monster. I I don't know. I wish it was just exactly like Dark Souls, because a lot of the combat does feel like it, even though the buttons are different. I just I wish the lock on was a little bit better. But when you when you actually are hitting the monsters, it's dope. Like the one thing, the problem I keep having with the stupid axe is like, I lock onto the guys, and sometimes it'll keep the camera on them. But my guy, my character, won't reorient himself to be facing that monster. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm in the animation, I can't, like, reposition him. And the, a lot of the chain attacks are, like, 10 to 12 seconds long. So it's yeah. like I have to wait till that attack's over and then, like, unequip my weapon, turn my guy towards the monster, and then start wailing on him. You know, yeah. like, that's the one thing. And then the other thing that is just 
so so stupid about this game is the uh the way you play with friends it is bad just bad all around well once once you figure it out it's a bit better but right like most things though like you figure it out it's fine but like figuring it out took a lot longer than it should have and it's like a dumb system like there's a better way to do it yeah i mean for a game that is kind of marketed as and based around playing with other people especially mm-hmm. your friends it's sh- that should be like the easiest system to do you should be able to just invite someone to your lobby you both should run around the same like the same space and you should just go to the board together it shouldn't be like you one person invites the other to the lobby then they post a quest then you go and you pick the quest from the board i mean it's not terrible but at the same time it can be done way better than the way it, it was it is currently yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, but you know what? So far, it's a great platform for like a multiplayer game. It almost feels like an MMO, like where there's just so much to do, but it has active combat instead of passive, which is awesome. I like that. And it just feels like they, they could endlessly update this. Like this feels like a platform more than a game, which is cool. Yeah. Like I was thinking about it today and I was like, if they release DLC for this game, new areas and monsters i'm gonna buy it in a fucking second there's no way i'm gonna miss any dlc for this game right and then so like on the 3ds version they did fun little event updates like where you could get a mario and luigi costume or like a link costume for your uh your little cat your Mm -hmm. little buddy so they already are doing that with horizon which is cool but they have so many options for this i saw they're adding a uh a ryu skin from street fighter oh yeah you said people weren't too happy about that no, people are saying that it's like making a mockery of this series to add a skin from another franchise, but like this is something that this game has done for a while. I think in 3, you could be Big Boss from Metal Gear Solid 3. Dude, so. can you imagine if they put... <laughs> fucking, oh my god, I'd only play as him for the rest of the game. <laughs> this Big Boss with a giant flaming hammer beating the shit out of these dinosaurs. Yeah, dude, are you kidding me? They could put Kratos in from the new God of War. That would be, be cool. awesome. Yeah. Or like his axe. I bet you like ten bucks oh, yeah. his axe in. Yeah, full That'd Kratos cool. set. You could you could get the uh, blades of Olympus as the small twin blades and you could do like <laughs> Oh my god, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, there's like a bunch of cool stuff you could do. It's could like do Shovel Knight. Yeah. I mean like you said, it feels like a platform. Like everything gameplay wise is completely solid and all the systems, while there are like a million and you kinda can get bogged down in how many systems there are. And I still don't know what to do with research points. I have several thousand of them, and I don't know what to, what to do with them. But I think more content coming out for this is very easy to implement, and it's something that I would definitely jump into without any any hesitation. Yeah, um, and then like a lot of people are bitching that it's like a handheld game that they just made look better and charge sixty bucks for, and it is not that. Like it feels like a, a full game yeah for sure yeah this is without a doubt you know a fully fledged console monster hunter game and i don't know what the last one was like three that came out on wii four ultimate and try were on try was on wii and four ultimate came out on wii u but that was like a bad port but still that was that like actually was a 3ds game on the wii u yeah that's like and no one bitched about that but then they make it so you can sprint while you're holding an egg in this game and everyone loses their mind and says it's for casuals. It's like, whatever. So, yeah. I honestly... So, I don't think that this is a bad place for anyone who's never played a Monster Hunter game to jump in. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, jump in now. Like, yeah. I feel like you'll... This is the hard... It's not the hardest to get into, but this is the most complex one. So then in the future, when one comes to Switch and everyone jumps ship from this, because, like, you know, that's the dream console for this game yeah it'll be so much easier to jump in yeah. like it'll be I, way easier to work your way down a platform than up to this yeah for sure and i mean all the systems are there they're it's not too hard you'll definitely spend the first like five-ish hours getting like the hang of everything but once you kind of figure out the weapons you like and you try a few things out and you kind of start getting in that loop of killing monsters and you can see how much better you get over time like i remember the first time i fought the like that big lizard monster Mm -hmm. i was like man this thing was tough that took me like 20 minutes to kill that thing and now i literally have a quest where it's like fight two of them at the same time and i'm like oh yeah i can do that in like 15 minutes Uh yeah 
Yeah. The one thing that sucks is capturing them. Like, that's it's not fun to me. It takes I kind of like it. Uh, I mean, like, it feels good when you do it, and then, like, you feel good about it, but then you get back into a capture one, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I already did it. <laughs> <laughs> that one feels weird to me, but the egg fetch quests are gone, which is nice. Yeah, that's nice to have that. But I think that this is a great game. I think it's the best game to come out in 2018 so far. It's also the only game I've played that came out in 2018 so far. But I think that this is a great Monster Hunter game and definitely one that anyone who's interested should pick up. Yeah, I will say, so uh, I can talk about this now because the show comes out tomorrow. But I've been playing Shadow of the Colossus Remake. I got that a little early. Like, if you know what happens in that game and you know, like how sad it is that you're wailing on these monsters. Like, you feel pretty bad when you switch to Monster Hunter. You're just, like, jumping on top of this Velociraptor and beating it down with the sword <laughs> in the back of its head. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's like, especially in the later stages of the fight, when after you've, like, broken the monster's legs, and it's, like, limping away and drooling, and you're like, time to put it down. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, the only time where it's, like, I don't feel bad about putting down the monsters is after they've destroyed me, like, five times in a row. Yeah, like, like that no. T-Rex, dude. Yeah, I'm that like, no, you're going Fuck down. Him. I'm definitely taking you down. Yeah, so, hell yeah, dude. I think this one is an unequivocal buy. And we hope you like that we talked about video games. Like, we were kind of up in the air on this, but, we're like, we were like, fuck it. This is a good game. Yeah, I think we had a, a lot to say about it, and we really wanted to recommend it to anyone who was interested. Yeah, so... That's our quick segment. Or it wasn't even quick. That was like 20 minutes. That's our segment <laughs> two on Monster Hunter, Game of the Year 2018, also known as Monster Hunter World. It's available on PS4 and Xbox One right now, and it's coming to PC this fall, which is kind of cool. Alright, so we're back with segment three here. George came up with this one. Uh, we didn't do this at the beginning of the year for some reason, but uh, we were thought it'd be a cool idea to talk about our most anticipated horror movies of the year. And I'm sure we'll forget something, but George has got a pretty good list here. So I'll let you kick it off since this is your topic. Yeah, so uh, I just kind of went took like a quick look at the big theatrical releases. Uh, or and There's also uh, like one or two from like Sundance. But... I think that the number one, not necessarily in any order, but the first movie that I'm very excited about is uh, The Nun coming out this year, hopefully. Yeah, dude. Okay, so I can say I went on a set visit for this movie uh, to Romania. I can't say anything about what I saw, but I am very, like, super stoked for this movie. We watched, Did you watch The Hollow? Have you ever seen that movie? No. So it's an Irish movie that Corin hardy directed he's the director of this movie that dude knows how to make a fucking monster movie so i'm really stoked for the nun yeah i thought that valak was absolutely terrifying in <laughs> conjuring 2 yeah me too and probably the scariest part of that movie so to see her get a full you know a full movie just based around her and they even tied it into uh the um the new Annabelle movie. Yeah. Where they yeah, also had like cool. another Valak throwback. So it's like, they're all in on this. Like it's not, she's been in two other movies in the quote unquote conjuring cinematic universe now. So hopefully this gets the attention it deserves because the character is absolutely horrifying. Yeah. And then we get the crooked man next year and the conjuring three. So there's, there's some good shit going on with this franchise. Yeah. Very, very big, successful franchise. Yeah, so next on here, you have A Quiet Place, which is directed by John Krasinski, and it stars him and his wife, Emily Blunt, who is amazing. Like, she's one of my favorite actors. And it's basically, like, the trailer's really good. It's, like, this family, they live in this house where they have to be really quiet because there's monsters that, like, are attracted to any sound. And uh, he's directing it, which is really cool. I'm pretty stoked for this, too. Yeah, the trailer reminded me a lot of uh, It Comes at Night. And yeah, but like the of, good version? Right. Like if It Comes at Night actually had a threat that was like a real thing in the movie, like a central plot to like grasp. Yeah. So I'm excited. It looks like a better version of that movie. And I like uh, John Krasinski and I like uh, Emily Blunt a lot. So I think this has a lot of potential to be really cool. 
the trailers I've all seen look good. Uh, I, I think that one of the cool things in the trailer is, like, the lengths that they go to to not make any noise. Yeah, like the Monopoly pieces. Yeah, like, they have the Monopoly pieces are all covered in, like, a cotton, like, a knit thing, so they don't, like, even make any noise when they're, like, touching the board and stuff, so... It, it looks like there's a lot of, uh, you know, like, minute detail to put into this movie that could make it really interesting. Yeah. So next up, obviously, obviously. gotta have Halloween on here. Come on. Halloween 2018, you think we're gonna leave that off this list? Forget about it. 40 years later, sequel to the original movie, stars Jamie Lee Curtis and Nick Castle as their respective roles from the first movie. It's probably gonna be pretty good. Uh, John Carpenter's doing the soundtrack. He's executive producing. I'm excited. Yes. Uh, if if our extensive coverage of this movie isn't enough to let you know how excited we are for this movie, uh, I think we're both trying to be cautiously optimistic about it. We both don't want to get our hopes up too high and be disappointed, but I think we both really want this movie to be fantastic. Yeah. So uh, you have another movie on here, the next one. I, di- I didn't even know this was a thing. Can you explain it? <laughs> yeah. So The Purge, The Island is currently filming it has a release date of <laughs> this done. <laughs> of this year so it might come out this year it might not i'm not sure yet but the only details on it are it's about the very first purge that ever happened oh like that's cool the beginning of the purge uh like idea as a whole basically yeah because you know the purge one was all right it was like whatever but two and three dude great movies three was awesome remember we watched criminally criminally uh, underrated we watched that over fourth of july jesus that was a good movie (laughs) 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 so yeah i'm all in on this they're making a tv show too that's cool yeah i think that the purge movies get kind of a bad rap because they're maybe too like in your face at some in some ways but i don't know i really like these movies i think that they have a really the concept is interesting. It, that yeah. will never not be interesting to me. The idea of all these normal people, you know, being able to commit crimes all night. Mm-hmm. And it just really sets up... Uh, that story can be told again and again in so many different ways and not be stale. I agree. Like, there's... You just, like... This would make a really good anthology movie. <laughs> yeah. That ac- that's a That'd great idea. That'd be cool idea. if this was an anthology movie, this first one. That's yeah. awesome. Because, yeah. you know, at the end of election year, they kind of, like, introduced the idea of just ending it with the politician, which is cool, because I feel like after a trilogy, that movie can't really go any farther, like that concept, but they could mm-hmm. take it back and just have infinite fun with it. Right. I mean, like we just said, this is a story that can be told over and over again, and it, I mean, it's the same idea every time, but you can obviously play with it so much in the, the different factors. Where are they staying? You know, what happened? Do they have access to weapons? Are they violent? Mm-hmm. Are they nonviolent? It would be cool to see, like, a movie from the perspective of, like, one of the groups that want to go out and loot. You know what I mean? Like, the people who mm-hmm. are, like, looking for people to kill. Like, there's so many different ways you could take this series that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to. The Purge, The Island, I hope it comes out this year, currently filming, so. Cool. Yeah, that, that seems like an end-of-the-year thing. Like, probably we'll avoid October because it's Blumhouse, but... We could probably get it in November, December. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Hopefully it's not next January, because then that kind of, like, puts the nail in the coffin. Yeah, that would kind of <laughs> show that Blumhouse doesn't have too much faith in it. Yeah, it would show it's exactly the same quality as Insidious 4. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this it's one of the franchises that built them up, so we're excited for it. And then, next up, The Strangers Pray at Night. I, I want, I, like, want to be nervous for this movie, but every trailer I see and, like, every bit of information that comes out about it, just, like, I can't help but be excited for it. Yeah, I think this looks great. It looks like it's really keeping the same feel as the original movie, which we both really like. Yeah, and... it's got some neon-soaked vibes to it, which is just, like, the easiest way to grab me. Right. Incredible aesthetics. Uh, it looks like it's the same cast of killers as there was in the first Strangers. I don't know if they're going to do any kind of callback to the, like, fake-out ending of the first one, or if they're just going to forget that, but I'm, I'm interested to see what this movie does. Every, all the promotional stuff looks really cool, and, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this one. 
Yeah, and because it'll be this director's first good movie if it's good. So this could like, you know, kind of change people's opinions on him and make them not feel a certain way whenever he's announced as a director of a movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it looks good, so I'm pretty excited. They shot it in Kentucky, which is awesome. Yeah. Um. So I put a few on here also. Mandy, these are all movies, or two out of three of these are movies that uh, showed at Sundance, but one of them is a Cloverfield movie. So Mandy is a Nick Cage movie. Uh, and all I've seen is a poster about it, but everyone keeps talking about it. And there's no solid release date yet, but I think it got bought. It just has a picture of Nicolas Cage on the poster covered in blood. And he's like a mercenary or something. I mean, I can look up the plot, but this movie looks really good. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of buzz around this. People saying this is Nick Cage's big comeback. And this is like the best movie he's been in in years. So I'm I'm going to try to just like stay in the dark basically and see it for myself once once it becomes available but Okay, I just read the synopsis. This movie sounds fucking sick. Yeah. Mandy is set in the primal wilderness of 1983 where Red Miller, a broken and haunted man, hunts an unhinged religious sect who slaughtered the love of his life. Okay. So <laughs> Nick Cage kills a cult. That sounds awesome. Oh man, I am on board, dude. That sounds <laughs> awesome. It does sound really cool. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. And the next up is God Particle. It's the third Cloverfield movie. Uh, weirdly, Netflix is trying to buy this, which would be cool because that means we'll probably get it immediately. But there's another weird wrinkle to this, that the fourth Cloverfield movie is done filming and it's already in like editing and it's uh, going to be a World War II set one. But God Particle is set on a space station called like Cloverfield Station and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, um, I haven't seen too much on this, but... I I like the Cloverfield series. I think one was pretty good. Uh, I think 10 Cloverfield Lane was better without the monsters, but... It's kind of jumped the shark for you. Yeah, I thought that the, like, very contained, uh, like, psycho killer vibes of, you know, the second one was, like, leaps and bounds better than the first. And then uh-huh. once it left the confinement and started fighting monsters i thought the movie kind of took a nosedive so i don't know how i feel about another cloverfield movie but i i mean god particle you know have someone contained on like a space station you could capture some of that claustrophobia maybe have like you know a little bit of feel of like alien Mm -hmm. I i could see it being good yeah so i'm in on that and then finally the last thing uh a24 is putting out a movie called hereditary this year and it's also a Sundance thing they showed off. It doesn't have a release date yet, but I'm assuming it'll be this year since they've shown the movie. It's being called, like, the, one of the scariest movies ever made. And that's a lot of hyperbole coming out of Sundance. Like, you know, people go to Sundance, they get into movies, and then they want their voice to be heard. They like they want to feel, like, exclusive and cool. Like, they're the first one to find something big. So, take it with a grain of salt. But people are saying that this is, like, one of the scariest movies ever. So, uh, and A24 has a great track record, except for uh, it comes at night, but I'm excited for this. Yeah, I did see some buzz around this. I saw people saying that, like, you d- you can't really tell anything about it from the trailer or anything. It's mm-hmm. something that you just kind of have to watch to understand the horror of it. Which, so... makes, it's just, like, good and bad. Like, I hate that shit when people are like... <laughs> I've seen it, and let me tell you, <laughs> you will not ne- like you won't know shit about this movie until you see it. You fucking just normie ass pleb. Like right. <laughs> I'm better like a, than you. Right. It's like, like all it's right, kind whatever. of a pretentious like yeah. way, to, way to build hype around your movie. But... I hate that fucking attitude, dude. It just it kills me. Yeah. Because <laughs> people did that same shit with it comes at night, and then you know yeah. what happens when people don't like those movies? Those people are nowhere to be found. It's like you just want right. that t- five seconds of fame. You don't care what you're saying. So, yeah. Great they never assault. come back to defend it. They just <laughs> yeah. say their piece and then they leave. Yeah. And that that is like classic Sundance, dude. Like, after being there, I can see why a lot of these movies that where people are like, oh, this is the scariest movie of all time because they want to get their fucking quote in the trailer. Yeah. I can see why that happens after experiencing some of the people. On <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, grain of salt, but this movie looks pretty cool. I like yeah. 24 a lot. Yeah. The studio is really good. So I have some, I have faith in this movie and I hope it is as good as people say it is. Yeah. And then I'm sure we're forgetting some stuff and things will pop up later on in the year that we'll talk about, but that's our big list of things we're excited for in 2018. Uh, if you want to let us know what you're excited for, 
You can find us both on Twitter at Jimmy Champagne and George Frizzard. And if you like the show, it would really help us out if you left a review on iTunes. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I guess you could you can just rate the show now and not leave a review, but reviews help out. It helps us, you know, get boosted up in the new and noteworthy section. So we'd really appreciate that. Uh, you have any closing remarks, George? Uh, just come back next week for more horror news and reviews. And as always, you never know who might be listening.